Chapter Twenty of Folk Tales Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Folk Tales Every Child Should Know by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter Twenty: The Peasant Story of Napoleon. Gogolet, an old soldier who fought under Napoleon, tells the story of his wonderful general and emperor to a group of eager listeners in the country doctor's barn. You see, my friends, Napoleon was born in Corsica, a French island warmed by the sun of Italy, where it is like a furnace, and where the people kill each other from father to son, all about nothing. That's a way they have. To begin with the marvel of the thing, his mother, who was the handsomest woman of her time, and a knowing one, bethought herself of dedicating him to God, so that he might escape the dangers of his childhood and future life, for she had dreamed that the world was set on fire the day he was born, and indeed it was a prophecy. So she asked God to protect him, on condition that Napoleon should restore his holy religion, which was then cast to the ground. Well, that was agreed upon, and we shall see what came of it. Follow me closely, and tell me if what you hear is in the nature of man. Sure and certain it is that none but a man who conceived the idea of making a compact with God could have passed unhurt through the enemy's lines, through cannonballs and discharges of grape-shot that swept the rest of us off like flies, and always respected his head. I had proof of that, I myself, at Elu. I see him now as he rode up a height, took his field-glass, looked at the battle, and said, All goes well. One of those plumed busybodies who plagued him considerably, and followed him everywhere, even to his meals, so they said, thought to play the wag, and took the emperor's place as he rode away. Ho! Oh, in a twinkling, head and plume were off. You must understand that Napoleon had promised to keep the secrets of his compact all to himself. That's why all those who followed him, even his nearest friends, fell like nuts. Duroc, Bessier, Lanay, all strong as steel bars, though he could bend them as he pleased. Besides, to prove he was the child of God, and made to be the father of soldiers, was he ever known to be lieutenant or captain? No, no, commander-in-chief from the start. He didn't look to be more than twenty-four years of age when he was an old general at the taking of Toulon, where he first began to show the others that they knew nothing about maneuvering cannon. After that, down came our slip of a general to command the Grand Army of Italy, which hadn't bread, nor munitions, nor shoes, nor coats. A poor army as naked as a worm, my friends, said he, here we are together. Get it into your pates that fifteen days from now you will be conquerors. New clothes, good gaiters, famous shoes, and every man with a great coat. But, my children, to get these things you must march to Milan, where they are. And we marched. France, crushed as flat as a bedbug, straightened up. We were thirty thousand bare feet against eighty thousand Austrian bullies, all fine men well set up. I see em now. But Napoleon... He was then only Bonaparte. He knew how to put the courage into us. We marched by night, and we marched by day. We slapped their faces at Montenon. We thrashed them at Rivoli, Lodi, Arcol, and Melissimo. We never let them up. A soldier gets the taste of conquest, so Napoleon whirled round those Austrian generals who didn't know where to poke themselves to get out of his way, and he pelted them well, nipped off ten thousand men at a blow sometimes, by getting round them with fifteen hundred Frenchmen. And then he gleaned as he pleased. He took their cannon, their supplies, their money, their munitions, in short, all they had that was good to take. He fought them and beat them on the mountains. He drove them into the rivers and seas. He bit them in the air, he devoured them on the ground, and he lashed them everywhere. 
hey the grand army feathered itself well for do you see the emperor who was a wit called up the inhabitants and told them he was there to deliver them so after that the natives lodged and cherished us the women too and very judicious they were now here's the end of it in ventos ninety six in those times that was the month of march of to-day we lay cuddled in a corner of savoie with the marmots and yet before the campaign was over we were masters of italy just as napoleon had predicted and by the following march in a single year and two campaigns he had brought us within sight of vienna twas a clean sweep we devoured their armies one after the other and made an end of four austrian generals one old fellow with white hair was roasted like a rat in the straw at mantua kings begged for mercy on their knees peace was won could a man have done that no god helped him to a certainty he divided himself up like the loaves in the gospel commanded the battle by day planned it by night going and coming for the sentinels saw him never eating never sleeping so seeing these prodigies the soldiers adopted him for their father forward march then those others the rulers in paris seeing this said to themselves here's a bold one that seems to get his orders from the skies he's likely to put his paw on france we must let him loose on asia we will send him to america perhaps that will satisfy him but twas written above for him as it was for jesus christ the command went forth that he should go to egypt see again his resemblance to the son of god but that's not all he called together his best veterans his fire-eaters the ones he particularly put the devil into and he said to them like this my friends they have given us egypt to chew up just to keep us busy but we'll swallow it whole in a couple of campaigns as we did italy the common soldiers shall be princes and have the land for their own forward march forward march cried the sergeants and there we were at toulon road to egypt at that time the english had all their ships in the sea but when we embarked napoleon said they won't see us it's just as well as you should know from this time forth that your general has got his star in the sky which guides and protects us what was said was done passing over the sea we took malta like an orange just to quench his thirst for victory for he was a man who couldn't live and do nothing so here we are in egypt good once here other orders the egyptians do you see are men who ever since the earth was have had giants for sovereigns and armies as numerous as ants for you must understand that's the land of genii and crocodiles where they've built pyramids as big as our mountains and buried their kings under them to keep them fresh an idea that pleased them mightily so then after we disembarked the little corporal said to us my children the country you're going to conquer has a lot of gods that you must respect because frenchmen ought to be friends with everybody and fight the nations without vexing the inhabitants get it into your skulls that you are not to touch anything at first for it is all going to be yours soon forward march so far so good but all those people of africa to whom napoleon was foretold under the name of kabir bonabirdes a word of their lingo that means the sultan fires were afraid as the devil of him so the grand turk and asia and africa had recourse to magic they sent us a demon named the mahdi supposed to have descended from heaven on a white horse which like its master was bullet-proof and both of them lived on air without food to support them there are some that say they saw them but i can't give you any reasons to make you certain about that the rulers of arabia and the mamelukes tried to make their troopers believe that the mahdi could keep them from perishing in battle and they pretended he was an angel sent from heaven to fight napoleon and get back solomon's seal solomon's seal was part of their paraphernalia which they vowed our general had stolen you must understand we'd given him a good many wry faces in spite of what he said to us now tell me how they knew that napoleon had a pact with god was that natural do you think they held to it 
in their minds that napoleon commanded the genie and could pass hither and thither in the twinkling of an eye like a bird the fact is he was everywhere at last it came to his carrying off a queen beautiful as the dawn for whom he had offered all his treasure and diamonds as big as pigeon's eggs a bargain which the mameluke to whom she particularly belonged positively refused although he had several others such matters when they come to that pass can't be settled without great many battles and indeed there was no scarcity of battles there was fighting enough to please everybody we were in line at alexandria at giza and before the pyramids we marched in the sun and through the sand where some who had the dazzles saw water that they couldn't drink and shade where their flesh was roasted but we made short work of the mamelukes and everyone else yielded to the voice of napoleon who took possession of upper and lower egypt arabia and even the capitals of kingdoms that were no more where there were thousands of statues and all the plagues of egypt more particularly lizards a mammoth of a country where everybody could take his acres of land for as little as he pleased while napoleon was busy with his affairs inland where he had it in his head to do fine things the english burned his fleet at babakir for they were always looking about them to annoy us but napoleon who had the respect of the east and of the west whom the pope called his son and the cousin of mohammed called his dear father resolved to punish england and get hold of india in exchange for his fleet he was just about to take us across the red sea into asia a country where there are diamonds and gold to pay the soldiers and palaces for bivouacs when the mahdi made a treaty with the plague and sent it down to hinder our victories halt the army to a man defiled at that parade and few they were who came back on their feet dying soldiers couldn't take st jean d'arc though they rushed at it three times with generous and martial obstinacy the plague was the strongest no saying to that enemy my good friend every soldier lay ill napoleon alone was fresh as a rose and the whole army saw him drinking in pestilence without its doing him a bit of harm ha my friends will you tell me that's in the nature of a mere man the mamelukes knowing we were all in the ambulances thought that they could stop the way but that sort of joke wouldn't do with napoleon so he said to his demons his veterans those that had the toughest hide go clear me the way juno a sabre of the first cut and his particular friend took a thousand men no more and ripped up the army of the pacha who had had the presumption to put himself in the way after that we came back to headquarters at cairo now here's another side of the story napoleon absent france was letting herself be ruined by the rulers in paris who kept back the pay of the soldiers of the other armies and their clothing and their rations left them to die of hunger and expected them to lay down the law to the universe without taking any trouble to help them idiots who amused themselves by chattering instead of putting their own hands in the dough well that's how it happened that our armies were beaten and the frontiers of france were encroached upon the man was not there now observe i say man because that's what they called him but twas nonsense for he had a star and all its belongings and it was we who were only men he taught history to france after his famous battle of abukir where without losing more than three hundred men and with a single division he vanquished the grand army of the turk seventy-five thousand strong and hustled more than half of it into the sea Rah! that was his last thunderclap in egypt he said to himself seeing the way things were going in paris i am the saviour of france i know it and i must go but understand me the army didn't know he was going or they'd have kept him by force and made him emperor of the east so now we were sad for he was gone who was all our joy 
he left the command to Kleber, big mastiff who came off duty at cairo assassinated by an egyptian whom they put to death by impaling him on a bayonet that's the way they guillotine people down there but it makes him suffer so much that a soldier had pity on the criminal and gave him his canteen and then as soon as the egyptian had drunk his fill he gave up the ghost with all the pleasure in his life but that's a trifle we couldn't laugh at then napoleon embarked in a cockle shell a little skiff that was nothing at all though it was called fortune and in a twinkling under the nose of egypt who was blockading him with ships of the line frigates and anything else that could hoist a sail he crossed over and there he was in france for he always had the power mind you of crossing the seas at one straddle was that a human man bah so one minute he is at fréjus the next in paris there they all adore him but he summons the government what have you done with my children the soldiers he says to the lawyers you're a mob of rascally scribblers you're making france a mess of pottage and snapping your fingers at what people think of you it won't do and i speak the opinion of everybody so on that they wanted to battle with him and kill him click he had him locked up in barracks or flying out of windows or drafted among his followers where they were as mute as fishes and as pliable as a quid of tobacco after that stroke consul and then as it was not for him to doubt the supreme being he fulfilled his promise to the good god who you see had kept his word to him he gave him back his churches and re-established his religion the bells rang for god and for him and lo everybody was pleased primo the priests whom he saved from being harassed segundo the bourgeois who thought only of their trade and no longer had to fear the rapiamus of the law which had got to be unjust tertio the nobles for he forbade that they should be killed as unfortunately the people had got the habit of doing but he still had the enemy to wipe out and he wasn't the man to go to sleep at a mess-table because do you see his eye looked over the whole earth as if it were no bigger than a man's head so he then appeared in italy like as though he had stuck his head through the window one glance was enough the austrians were swallowed up at marengo like so many gudgeons by a whale Oof! the french eagles sang their paeans so loud that the world heard them and it sufficed we won't play that game any more said the german enough enough said all the rest to sum up europe backed down england knocked under general peace and the kings and the peoples made believe kiss each other that's the time when the emperor invented the legion of honor and a fine thing too in france this is what he said at boulogne before the whole army every man is brave so the citizen who does a fine action shall be sister to the soldier and the soldier shall be his brother and the two shall be one under the flag of honor we who were down in egypt now came home all was changed he left us general and hey in a twinkling we found him emperor france gave herself to him like a fine girl to a lancer when it was done to the satisfaction of all as you may say a sacred ceremony took place like of which had never been seen under the canopy of the skies the pope and the cardinals in their red and gold vestments crossed the alps expressly to crown him before the army and the people who clapped their hands there is one thing i should do very wrong not to tell you in egypt in the desert close to syria the red man came to him on the mount of moses and said all is well then at marengo the night before the victory the same red man appeared before him for the second time standing erect and saying thou shalt see the world at thy feet thou shalt be emperor of france king of italy master of holland sovereign of spain portugal and the illyrian provinces protector of germany saviour of poland first eagle of the legion of honour all this red man you understand was his genius his spirit 
a sort of satellite who served him as some say to communicate with his star i never really believed that but the red man himself is a true fact napoleon spoke of him and said he came to him in troubled moments and lived in the palace of the tuileries under the roof so on the day of the coronation napoleon saw him for the third time and they were in consultation over many things after that napoleon went to milan to be crowned king of italy and there the grand triumph of the soldier began every man who could write was made an officer down came pensions it rained dukies treasures poured in for the staff which didn't cost france a penny and the legion of honor provided incomes for the private soldiers of which i receive mine to this day so here were the armies maintained as never before on this earth but besides that the emperor knowing that he was to be the emperor of the whole world bethought him of the bourgeois and to please them he built fairy monuments after their own ideas in places where you'd never think to find any for instance suppose you were coming back from spain and going to berlin well you'd find triumphal arches along the way with common soldiers sculptured on the stone every bit the same as generals in two or three years and without imposing taxes on any of you napoleon filled his vaults with gold built palaces made bridges roads scholars fetes laws vessels harbors and spent millions upon millions such enormous sums that he could so they tell me have paved france from end to end with five franc pieces if he had had a mind to now when he sat at ease on his throne and was master of all so that egypt waited his permission to do his bidding he remembered his four brothers and his three sisters and he said to us as it might be in conversation in an order of the day my children is it right that the blood relations of your emperor should be begging their bread no i wish to see them in splendour like myself it becomes therefore absolutely necessary to conquer a kingdom for each of them to the end that frenchmen may be masters over all lands that the soldiers of the guard shall make the whole earth tremble that france may spit where she likes and that all the nations shall say to her as it is written on my copper coins god protects you agreed cried the army we'll go fish for thy kingdoms with our bayonets ha there was no backing down don't you see if he had taken it into his head to conquer the moon we should have made ready packed knapsacks and clambered up happily he didn't think of it the kings of the countries who liked their comfortable thrones were naturally loath to budge and had to have their ears pulled so then forward march we did march we got there and the earth once more trembled to its centre hey the men in the shoes he used up in those days the enemy dealt us such blows that none but the grand army could have borne the fatigue of it but you are not ignorant that a frenchman is born a philosopher and knows that a little sooner or a little later he has got to die so we were ready to die without a word for we liked to see the emperor doing that on the geographies here the narrator nimbly described a circle with his foot on the floor of the barn and napoleon said there that's to be a kingdom and a kingdom it was ha the good times the colonels were generals the generals marshals the marshals kings there's one of em still on his throne to prove it to europe but he's a gascon and a traitor to france for keeping that crown and he doesn't blush for shame as he ought to because crowns don't you see are made of gold i who am speaking to you i have seen in paris eleven kings and a mob of princes surrounding napoleon like the rays of the sun you understand of course that every soldier had the chance to mount a throne provided he always had the merit so a corporal of the guard was a sight to be looked at as he walked along for each man had his share in the victory and was plainly set forth in the bulletin what victories there were austerlitz where the army manoeuvred as if on parade 
Elau, where we drowned the Russians in a lake, as though Napoleon had blown them into it with the breath of his mouth. Wagram, where the army fought for three days without grumbling, we won as many battles as there are saints in the calendar. It was proved then, beyond a doubt, that Napoleon had the sword of God in his scabbard. The soldiers were his friends, he made them his children, he looked after us, and saw that we had shoes and shirts and greatcoats, and bread and cartridges. But he always kept up his majesty, for don't you see, t'was his business to reign. No matter for that, however, a sergeant and even a common soldier could say to him, My emperor, just as you say to me sometimes, my good friend. He gave us an answer if we appealed to him. He slept in the snow like the rest of us, and indeed he had almost the air of a human man. I, who speak to you, I have seen him with his feet among the grape-shot, and no more uneasy than you are now, standing steady, looking through his field-glass, and minding his business. "'Twas that kept the rest of us quiet. I don't see how he did it. But when he spake, he made our hearts burn within us, and to show him we were his children, incapable of balking, didn't we rush at the mouths of the rascally cannon that belched and vomited shot and shell, without so much as saying look out. Why, the dying must needs raise their heads to salute him, and cry, Long live the Emperor!' i ask you was that natural would they have done that for a human man well after he had settled the world the empress josephine his wife a good woman all the same managed matters so that she did not bear him any children and he was obliged to give her up though he loved her considerably but you see he had to have little ones for reasons of state hearing of this all the sovereigns of europe quarrelled as to which of them should give him a wife and he married so they told us an austrian archduke's daughter of caesar an ancient man about whom people talk a good deal and not in france only where any one will tell you what he did but in europe it is all true for i myself who addressed you at this moment i have been on the danube and have seen the remains of a bridge built by that man who it seems was a relation of napoleon in rome and that's how the emperor got the inheritance of that city for his son so after the marriage which was a fate for the whole world and in honour of which he released the people of ten years taxes which they had to pay all the same, however, because the assessors didn't take account of what he said, his wife had a little one who was king of Rome. Now there's a thing that had never been seen on this earth. Never before was a child born a king, with his father living. On that day a balloon went up in Paris to tell the news to Rome, and that balloon made the journey in one day. Now is there any man among you who will stand up here and declare to me that all that was human? No, it was written above and may the scurvy season who deny that he was sent by God himself for the triumph of France. Well, here's the Emperor of Russia that used to be his friend. He gets angry because Napoleon didn't marry a Russian. So he joins with the English, our enemies, to whom our Emperor always wanted to say a couple of words in their burrows. Only he was prevented. Napoleon gets angry, too, and end had to be put to such things. So he says to us, Soldiers, you have been masters of every capital in Europe except Moscow which is now the ally of england to conquer england and india which belongs to the english it becomes our peremptory duty to go to moscow then he assembled the greatest army that ever trailed its gaiters over the globe and so marvellously in hand it was that he reviewed a million men in one day hoorah cried the russians down came all russia and those animals of cossacks in a flock twas nation against nation a general hurly-burly and beware who could asia against europe as the red man had foretold to napoleon enough cried the emperor i'll be ready so now sure enough came all the kings as the red man had said to lick napoleon's hand austria prussia bavaria saxony poland italy 
every one of em were with us flattering us ah it was fine the eagles never cawed so loudly as those parades perched high above the banners of all europe the poles were bursting with joy because napoleon was going to release them and that's why france and poland are brothers to this day russia is ours cried the army we plunged into it well supplied we marched and we marched no russians at last we found the brutes entrenched on the banks of the moskva that's where i won my cross and i've got the right to say it was a damnable battle this was how it came about the emperor was anxious he had seen the red man who said to him my son you are going too fast for your feet you will lack men friends will betray you so the emperor offered peace but before signing let us drub those russians he said to us done cried the army forward march said the sergeants my clothes were in rags my shoes worn out from trudging along those roads which are very uncomfortable ones but no matter i said to myself as it's the last of our earthquakings i'll go into it tooth and nail we were drawn up in line before the great ravine front seats as twere signal given and seven hundred pieces of artillery began a conversation that would bring the blood from your ears then must do justice to one's enemies the russians let themselves be killed like frenchmen they wouldn't give way we couldn't advance forward someone cried here comes the emperor true enough he passed at a gallop waving his hand to let us know we must take the redoubt he inspired us on we ran i was the first in the ravine ha my god how the lieutenants fell and the colonels and the soldiers no matter all the more shoes for those that had none and epaulets for the clever ones who knew how to read victory cried the whole line victory and would you believe it a thing never seen before there lay twenty-five thousand frenchmen on the ground twas like mowing down a wheat-field only in place of the ears of wheat put the heads of men we were sobered by this time those who were left alive the man rode up we made the circle around him ha he knew how to cajole his children he could be amiable when he liked and feed em with words when their stomachs were ravenous with the hunger of wolves flatterer he distributed the crosses himself he uncovered to the dead and then cried to us on to moscow to moscow answered the army we took moscow would you believe it the russians burned their own city twas a haystack six miles square and it blazed for two days the buildings crashed like slates and showers of melted iron and lead rained down upon us which was naturally horrible i may say to you plainly it was like a flash of lightning on our disasters the emperor said we've done enough my soldiers shall rest here so we rested a while just to get breath into our bodies and the flesh on our bones for we were really tired we took possession of the golden cross that was on the kremlin and every soldier brought away with him a small fortune but out there the winter sets in a month earlier a thing those fools of science didn't properly explain so coming back the cold nipped us no longer an army do you hear me no longer any generals no longer any sergeants even twas the reign of wretchedness and hunger a reign of equality at last no one thought of anything but to see france once more no one stooped to pick up his gun or his money if he dropped them each man followed his nose and went as he pleased without caring for glory the weather was so bad the emperor couldn't see his star there was something between him and the skies poor man it made him ill to see his eagles flying away from victory ah twas a mortal blow you may believe me well we got to the beresina my friends i can affirm you by all that is most sacred by my honour that since mankind came into the world never never was there seen such a fricassee of any army guns carriages artillery wagons in the midst of such snows under such relentless skies the muzzles of the muskets burned our hands if we touched them the iron was so cold 
it was there that the army was saved by the pontonniers who were firm at their post and there that gondran sole survivor of the men who were bold enough to go into the water and build the bridges by which the army crossed that gondran here present admirably conducted himself and saved us from the russians who i must tell you still respected the grand army remembering its victories and he added pointing to gondran who was gazing at him with the peculiar attention of a deaf man gondran is a finished soldier a soldier who is honour itself and he merits your highest esteem i saw the emperor he resumed standing by the bridge motionless not feeling the cold was that human he looked at the destruction of his treasure his friends his old egyptians bah all that passed him women army wagons artillery all were shattered destroyed ruined the bravest carried the eagles for the eagles do you see were france the nation all of you they were the civil and the military honour that must be kept pure could their heads be lowered because of the cold it was only near the emperor that we were warmed ourselves because when he was in danger we ran frozen as we were we who wouldn't have stretched a hand to save a friend they told us he wept at night over his poor family of soldiers ah none but he and the frenchmen could have got themselves out of that business we did get out but with losses great losses as i tell you the allies captured our provisions men began to betray him as the red man predicted those chatterers in paris who had held their tongues after the imperial guard was formed now thought he was dead so they hoodwinked the prefect of police and hatched a conspiracy to overthrow the empire he heard of it it worried him he left us saying adieu my children guard the outposts i shall return to you bah. without him nothing went right the generals lost their heads the marshals talked nonsense and committed follies but that was not surprising for napoleon who was kind had fed them on gold they had got as fat as lard and wouldn't stir some stayed in camp when they ought to have been warming the backs of the enemy who was between us and france but the emperor came back and he brought recruits famous recruits he changed their backbone and made them dogs of war fit to set their teeth into anything and he brought a guard of honour a fine body indeed all bourgeois who melted away like butter on a gridiron well spite of our stern bearing here's everything going against us and yet the armies did prodigies of valour then came battles on the mountains nations against nations dresden lutzen bautzen remember these days all of you for twas then that the frenchmen were so particularly heroic that a good grenadier only lasted six months we triumphed always yet there were those english in our rear rousing revolts against us with their lies no matter we cut our way home through the whole pack of the nations wherever the emperor showed himself we followed him for if by sea or land he gave us the word go we went at last we were in france and many a poor foot-soldier felt the air of his own country restore his soul to satisfaction spite the wintry weather i can say for myself that it refreshed my life well next our business was to defend france our country our beautiful france against all europe which resented our having laid down the law to the russians and pushed them back into their dens so that they couldn't eat us up alive as northern nations who are dainty and like southern flesh have a habit of doing at least so i have heard some generals say then the emperor saw his own father-in-law his friends whom he had made kings and the scoundrels to whom he had given back their thrones all against him even frenchmen and allies in our own ranks turned against us under their secret orders as at the battle of leipzig would common soldiers have been capable of such wickedness three times a day men were false to their word and they called themselves princes so then france was invaded wherever the emperor showed his lion face the enemy retreated 
and he did more prodigies in defending france than ever he had done in conquering italy the east spain europe and russia he meant to bury every invader under the sod and teach him to respect the soil of france so he let them get to paris that he might swallow them at a mouthful and rise to the height of his genius in a battle greater than all the rest a mother battle as it were but there there the parisians were afraid for their twopenny skins and their trumpery shops they opened the gates then the ragusades began and happiness ended the empress was fooled and the white banner flaunted from the windows the generals whom he had made his nearest friends abandoned him for the bourbons a set of people no one had heard tell of the emperor bade us farewell at fontainebleau soldiers i can hear him now we wept like children the flags and the eagles were lowered as if for a funeral it was i may well say to you the funeral of the empire her dapper armies were nothing now but skeletons so he said to us standing there on the portico of his palace my soldiers we are vanquished by treachery but we shall meet in heaven the country of the brave defend my child whom i commit to you long live napoleon the second he meant to die that no man should look upon napoleon vanquished he took poison enough to have killed a great regiment because like jesus christ before his passion he thought himself abandoned of god and his talisman but the potion did not hurt him see again he found he was immortal sure of himself knowing he must ever be the emperor he went for a while to an island to study out the nature of these others who you may be sure committed follies without end whilst he bided his time down there the chinese and the wild men on the coast of africa and the barbary states and others who are not at all accommodating know so well he was more than man that they respected his tent saying to touch it would be to offend god thus do you see when these others turned him from the doors of his own france he still reigned over the whole world before long he embarked in the same little cockle-shell of a boat he had had in egypt sailed round the beard of the english set foot in france and france acclaimed him the sacred cuckoo flew from spire to spire all france cried out with one voice long live the emperor in this region here the enthusiasm for that wonder of the ages was i may say solid dauphine behaved well and i am particularly pleased to know that her people wept when they saw once more the grey topcoat march first it was when napoleon landed with two hundred men to conquer the kingdom of france and of navarre which on the twelfth of the same month was again the french empire on that day our man was in paris he had made a clean sweep recovered his dear friends and gathered his veterans together by saying no more than three words i am here twas the greatest miracle god had done yet before him did ever man recover an empire by showing his hat and these others who thought they had subdued france not they at sight of the eagles a national army sprang up and we marched to waterloo there the guard died at one blow napoleon in despair threw himself three times before the cannon of the enemy without obtaining death we saw that the battle was lost that night the emperor called his old soldiers to him on the field soaked with our blood he burned his banners and his eagles his poor eagles ever victorious who cried forward in the battles and had flown the length and breadth of europe they were saved the infamy of belonging to the enemy all the treasures of england couldn't get her a tail feather of them no more eagles the rest is well known the red man went over to the bourbons like the scoundrel that he is france is crushed the soldier is nothing they deprive him of his dues they discharge him to make room for broken-down nobles ah tis pitiable they seized napoleon by treachery the english nailed him on a desert island in mid-ocean on a rock raised ten thousand feet above the earth and there he is and will be till the red man gives him back his power for the happiness of france these others say he's dead ha 
dead tis easy to see they don't know him they tell that fib to catch the people and feel safe in their hovel of a government listen the truth at the bottom of it all is that his friends have left him alone on the desert isle to fulfil a prophecy for i forgot to say that his name napoleon means lion of the desert now this that i tell you is true as the gospel all other tales that you hear about the emperor are follies without common sense because do you see god never gave to child of woman born the right to stamp his name in red as he did on the earth which forever shall remember him long live napoleon the father of his people and of the soldier the end end of chapter twenty end of folk tales every child should know by hamilton wright maybe